you are so holy and righteous. You are worthy of all of our praise and adoration, for you are a good God. You are a God who loves us when we are unlovable. You are a God who found us when we were lost. You are a God who seeks us even on the days where we run away from you. God, you are so good. We are thankful and we love you and we praise you. We pray this all in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, friends, I want to welcome you to Anderson Hills. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here today, and we are continuing our message series uh, on uh, the the, uh, stories that we find in the Bible and in our church about the acts of the Holy Ghost, that the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, is at work in our church, and we see the Holy Spirit at work throughout the entire Bible. Now, we've been in the book of Acts, which tells the story of the early church and how it grew up and how uh, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, used this church to change the world. Uh, but, but today we're going to uh, switch it up a little bit. We're going to go outside of the book of Acts, and we're actually going to uh, look at some other scriptures that talk about the work of the Holy Spirit, because it's not just in Acts. It's found throughout the entire Bible. But before we do that, I want to share with you a Holy Ghost story from within our congregation. Uh, Marilyn Vadas is a, is a person who worships uh, usually at the 11 o'clock traditional service. And if you know Marilyn, she is one of the sweetest people you ever know. But just you only need to talk to her for about three minutes before you realize this woman is filled with the Holy Spirit and loves Jesus more than you could possibly imagine. Decades of faithfulness in following the Lord. But that doesn't mean that her life has always been easy. Uh, When Marilyn was five, uh, her parents divorced and she would be raised by other relatives and um, her father would not really be part of her life. And that's difficult today, but even more so than when that was even less common in society. Uh, Marilyn talked about a time uh, later on in life where God felt very distant from her. And she, she was praying and just asking, God, would you just, would you reveal yourself to me? Would you, would you show yourself to me? Help me to know that, that you're real. And God gave her a gift. God gave her a, a dream or a vision. And she's going to describe that for us right here in this video. So let's check that out together. I was going through a really dry spirit a dry time spiritually, just couldn't seem to connect with God. You know, you have those mountaintop experiences and then you have these in the valley. And I was stuck in that valley for the life of me. I couldn't get out of it. So one day I sat down and I just said, um, Lord, show me how to get out of this slump I'm in, this spiritual slump. And the next thing I knew, he had used my divine imagination, and I was in a field of flowers, meadow, and it was a field of butterflies, and I was 12 years old, and I was doing cartwheels. And um, it was such a beautiful spring day. There were bees around, too, and I was a little afraid of those, but there was a bubbling creek um, a little way from this meadow, and I started skipping over to the creek, and I walked across some flat stones, and uh, 
the path took me into a forest, and I could smell it. Oh, the wood smelled so good, and there were crinkly leaves on the path, and I was barefoot, so there was a little mud, too. And I, I walked on, and I came to this opening, this great big round opening. The sun was just pouring into it, and um, this creek went around, and way over at the end of the creek, there was a great big boulder. And I started following the creek, not in it, but alongside of it. And on that boulder sat Jesus. And he motioned for me to come over, and I climbed up on that rock and sat in his lap. And I was right back spiritually where I needed to be in his lap as his child, 12-year-old. <laughs> that weird? <laughs> he is a good dad. He's a very good dad. Good Abba. Daddy. <laughs> no, Marilyn, I don't think that's weird at all. In fact, <laughs> I think Grandma rocks. I'm with you, man. Yeah, I mean, that she, what a real powerful experience of the Holy Spirit, right? That God met her. Isn't it amazing how God meets us in our place of need? That for Marilyn, that this was a place of need for her. This is a place of hurt, a place of pain. And here, God reveals himself like a father, just there to love her, to hold her, to comfort her. I need that. You need that. That's our God. That is who our God is, and he's so good, he's so powerful, and he loves you like that too. Today we're going to talk about the spirit of adoption, the spirit of adoption, and this is basically when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, that God adopts us. When you give your life to Jesus, God adopts you into his own family, that he saves you from sin. One of the metaphors that the Bible uses for sin is slavery. And it's a, par it's, a, it's a painful, terrible metaphor because slavery is such a horribly atrocious thing. And God chooses slavery as a metaphor to what sin does to us. Because that is, sin also is a horrible, terrible thing. And it, and it ruins lives. And it separates us from God both now and throughout all of eternity Satan is a horrible slave master. His desire is for you is not good. His desire for you is not good. The Bible says that he's a liar, that he is the father of lies, that he's an accuser, that shame and guilt, that these are, these are things that Satan uses. He tells us we're not good enough. He tells us we're not adequate. He tells us we've screwed too many things up, and so there's no hope for us. Satan is a liar. That's right, he is. So Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says it this way. It says, for all who are led by the, by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, means daddy, father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But we, if we are able to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. 
Now, that last phrase is important, right? I want to skip it, but the fact is that Jesus suffered. He went through hardship, and so sometimes we do as well. So we talk about being a child of God. It doesn't mean that life is always easy. Don't get me wrong. It's still challenging, but it's different. In fact, it's better because we are saved by God, and so we now have hope of eternal life, and that eternal life begins right here and now as part of the kingdom of God. So Paul gives us this incredible contrast to help us understand what God has done for us when he saves us, that he makes this contrast between a slave and a son or daughter, okay? That's about two of the most opposite positions you could possibly be in, a slave versus a beloved daughter or son. And so here's what the spirit of adoption has done for you. He has let, he's taken you out of the position of being a slave to sin and moved you into the position of being a child of God. I don't care who you are. That is the best promotion you will ever receive. You can be the CEO of P&G. It doesn't matter. You aren't getting a better promotion than going from slave to sin to child of God. That's how good our God is. That's what this spirit of adoption is all about. The Holy Spirit wants to save you so you don't have to be led anymore by that old, evil, nasty, slave master, Satan. No, you can be free. You can be free. You can be free to live the life that God is calling you to live. He's not, and, and so this is why it says, instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For the spirit, his spirit, joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. I love that. The Holy Spirit joins with our spirit to tell us the truth, not the lie, but the truth that we are God's child, that we are adopted into God's family. That's what the Holy Spirit does for you and for me. So if we are God's children, we are also his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory, just like a child is an heir to, the, to what their, their parents leave to them. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. So let's look at this metaphor a little bit more that contrasts a slave versus a son or daughter. A slave has no rights, no rights Part of what makes slavery so evil and awful. A slave is owned by the master, so the slave does what the master tells him to do. Gets up, goes, comes in and out, whatever the master says to do. The slave doesn't get to set their own schedule, their days off, their time. No, no rights. It's awful. It's evil. The second thing about slavery, and these are just a couple things, uh, there's very minimal provisions very minimal provisions here in, in the United States in the just atrocity of U.S. slavery. Slaves were usually kept in very, very small houses, just packed full of people, while a handful of owners lived in the plantation in a big, spacious area. Slaves were given minimal provisions, oftentimes inadequate nourishment, health care, clothing, all of these kind of things, minimal and finally, as a slave, you really don't have much of a future because you can't just work harder and get out of this. You can't just try, you know, like if you, maybe if you go to college or maybe if you work harder, no, it's not an option. It's been stolen from that person. Hope and future just aren't there. But and, and this is what 
the Bible says that sin does to us. Think about, let's just, uh, there's a lot of metaphors that we could use with sin or a lot of examples of sin we could use, but we'll just talk about today, like say an addiction to alcohol, right? Which is more than just sin, you have uh, medical stuff going on there as well, right? That's a very legitimate thing. But, but in, when we give ourselves to, to drinking too much, it's not God's will for our lives, it's not God's best for us, and it begins to take over. And so we become slaves to this. And suddenly we find our rights getting less and less and less and less. Because as the alcohol takes over, I get less choices. It's more the choices I'm making under the influence of alcohol. They're defining me. Provisions get less because I'm probably going to struggle at my job. I'm going to struggle in my family. I'm going to struggle in the important things because this alcoholism is ruining my life. And third, that means that my hope for the future gets lower and lower and lower. This is where Satan wants you to be, enslaved to sin, enslaved to sin. And, and it's tricky because he doesn't say it like that. It's, oh, it's fun. You'll like it. It's not a big deal. It's just, it's just a few drinks. It's, just, it's not a big deal. You need something to take the edge off, whatever, and it gets worse and worse and worse. And we find ourselves enslaved to something, and maybe we don't even know it. Sons and daughters, on the other hand, have a different life a very different life. While a slave has no rights, a son or daughter has every right that is given to them by the loving parent. As parents, we want to to do this, to give them rights that will help them to grow. Now, we do this, you know, right amount of responsibility at the right amount of time, right? For example, in in my house, we have a a brand new learner's permit about two weeks ago. Our son Tyson has his temps now, and so this is our second, second driver, And I know different parents have different philosophies on this stuff. I love it, actually. Maybe because I love to live a little dangerously. I don't know. But I actually enjoy teaching them to drive. I think it's a lot of fun. And hey, I have a chauffeur now, too. So that's not too bad. But three months ago, if Tyson came to me and said, Hey, Dad, can I have the keys? I'd be like, No. You can't get the car. You can't drive. But today, we're going somewhere. Hey, Dad, can I have the keys? Yeah, sure. Go right ahead. You're going to drive this time. Let's let's work on that. Because that's what any reasonable parent does, right? In the right times, we give them the right amount responsibilities. We give them the rights that they need to grow up. The second thing that we give to our kids is extravagant provisions, We do the best we can, and it doesn't matter how much you have. Every good parent I know does what they can to give their kids the best growing up experience they can have. You you, you get it, you you give them the best, whether it's food and clothing, whether it's education, whether it's opportunities, you go to their, their dance recital or their music stuff or their sports events or all these kind of things because you want them to have the provisions that they need. You, you might have even bought a certain house in a certain place because the schools were better. Or, or you might have uh, given up a whole lot of time, energy, and sleep to have them in travel sports, right? And all that kind of good stuff. Whatever it is, you do your best to provide for them. That's what parents do. And third, an inheritance. Now, this may vary from family to family what you do. We told our kids, like, we're going to help you get educated, get into a job, and then if there's anything left for you someday, hey, good for you. Maybe mom and I will just have fun and spend it. I don't know. But but God's a better parent than me, right? 
So God promises us a, an incredible inheritance, an inheritance in heaven. The, the Bible says Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And that you should store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust, they don't destroy, where thieves don't break in and steal, right? We're talking about an eternal inheritance. This is incredible that it's not just what we experience here on earth, that's part of it, but, but God's inheritance is an eternal thing that we're saved from sin both now and throughout all of eternity. So the spirit of adoption takes us from this awful place of being enslaved to an evil, horrible slave master named Satan and instead promotes us to being a child of the king. That's amazing. That's an incredible gift of God. And, and some of us, we've been listening to the lies of Satan that tell us that we're not enough, that we're, that we're a failure, that we're hopeless, that, that we've screwed up too much, that, that God can't use us. And that's a lie. It's a lie. Because you're not a child of God because you deserve it. You're a child of God because of a free gift. You didn't earn it. I didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. God freely gives this to us. And so that changes the way that we look at holiness. Holiness simply means living the way that, that God calls us to live. Some of us, we've maybe grown up in traditions around holiness where we, they've been really legalistic and we've, we've gotten the idea that holiness means like having to obey all these rules and I, I hate these rules, but God wants to ruin my fun, so he gave me these rules so I have to do it. That's not what we're talking about. When you understand how good God is, when you understand God's ways, you understand that, it's, that instead it's a relationship with our father, a relationship with our daddy. And, and we want to live the way he wants us to live because we realize in time that his ways are best for us. Maybe some of you, you've experienced that with your own parents or with your own kids that they go through seasons where they don't think that mom and dad's ways are so great, right? We all do that. And in time, we, we grow up a little bit and we kind of hit our 20s or so. We're like, oh, maybe they did know a thing or two here and there, right? And as time goes on, we learn that maybe more and more in the ideal of situations. See, holiness is simply living like our daddy lives, what it is. We look at our heavenly father, we look at our heavenly father, and we strive to live like he lives. When our kids were little, I'd often find them carrying my tools around the house, right? Because I like to tinker with stuff. I'm not a professional, but I know enough to mess things up, right? And uh, so I'd find them, you know, carrying, you know, just normal stuff, carrying my screwdriver, hammer, chainsaw around the house, you know, just... Just like at your house, right? And, and they would do this because they saw me doing it. And little kids love to imitate mom and dad. It's a natural thing we do. We, and whether it's with tools or whether it's with cooking or whether it's with watching TV or whatever it is, we learn how to do these things by watching mom and dad and studying them. Well, that's what holiness is. Holiness is watching our daddy, our perfect heavenly father, our perfect heavenly father, and saying, how does he live? I want to live that way too. I want to look like, like my heavenly father looks because I know he's good and he loves me and he cares about me and he forgives me. I want to do that. That's exactly who I want to be. Children delight to follow 
in their parents' footsteps. So he teaches us how to live in holiness. And I don't see myself anymore as a slave to sin. Now I see myself as a child of God. And when I look at at the things that God says, don't do that, I understand it's for my own good because he doesn't want me going back into slavery. No, he wants me to live in freedom. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. And it's the best, best position you could be in. So the Bible uses in Romans here this metaphor of adoption. It's a really powerful metaphor. It's one that's kind of close to my heart because, you know, my family, we have uh, our first two kids are biologically ours, and Marissa is ours by adoption. And we got a heart for this way back when I was in pastor school, and uh, we then had the boys biologically, and we still had this heart to adopt, and so we decided uh, to do so. Uh, we, we found this adoption agency, and uh, they, would, they came out, and they said a bunch of people, you have to do all this paperwork, and they do this home study thing where they, they come to make sure that you're not crazy, and we tricked them, so they still let us adopt, and, uh, and it was, speaking, I can tell one story from that, we were meeting there with the, with the home study, the social worker, and uh, Jacob was, he'd been napping, and Jennifer and I are talking, and, and he comes out, and he's got his little teddy bear. He's just a little guy at this point. He's got his teddy bear, he's got him wrapped up, and he's got this, like, copper bottle or something like that. And the social worker goes, what are you doing, Jacob? And he goes, I'm just feeding my new baby sister. <laughs> she starts crying. And <laughs> Jennifer and I are like, yes, we are in. <laughs> Thank you, son. <laughs> All these other things we were hoping they'd overlook. Now she's just focused on you. That's great. But, but seriously, you, you, they, you, they want to make sure the child's going to a safe place, to loving and caring kind of parents. At this agency, what they did was they would actually allow the birth moms to choose the family that, that their child was going to. And so they, they helped you make um, this, uh, this thing that was kind of like, like a profile, right? Like, uh, it's kind of like trying to sell your house, except you're trying to sell your ability to raise kids, right? So that's one, pa- one page from ours. That was like, <laughs> we're thankful for that photographer, right? Because that's probably why we have Marissa, because they got a good picture. Because we're looking through these other profiles, and it's like people, because we were just starting off in ministry, so it's like people with like fancy vacations and giant houses and stuff like this, and we're like, oh no, why would anyone? choose us. Like, we're pretty simple here. And yet Marissa's birth mom picked us. And so we had, so we had this kind of, um, this time, just, just a, actually a couple months, because it was in her last trimester, where we were preparing for Marissa. And I remember that when Jennifer was pregnant with our boys, I remember how I just, I loved that experience because you get nine months of buildup and excitement and it's always changing and new. And, and pregnancy is so much fun when you're a dad because <laughs> it doesn't really hurt much, right? And I mean, now to be fair though, I mean, I, I had to make some sacrifices too, right? Like Jennifer, you're going you're gonna to really feel for me on this one because Jennifer had really bad sickness. And so she would like eat a little bit of something and couldn't eat anymore. And then she would get sick and swear she was never going to eat that thing again. And, and so I had to go back and eat all of those things, right? <laughs> Sympathy weight, I think that's called, right? But so yeah, I had it really easy. And 
and as the times are getting closer to our, our boys being born, I'm just so excited and for that, that moment when you're at the hospital, right? And, and many of you have been here where they, they, the baby's born and they, they place that child in your arms for the first time. And it doesn't really matter what happens in my life. Those moments will always be, always be some of the best. I mean, just, just top notch. And so I remember feeling just overwhelmed with love for these kids. Like, like, I cannot possibly love you more than I love you right now. It, it, here's this baby who can't do a thing for you, right? Like, this, this child has accomplished nothing other than being born, right? You know, like, they're, they're you know, it's not like we're, we don't look at them and say, well, you know, you, you seem to be pretty good, but uh, we'll, we'll wait and see how you do, right? We'll see, you know, I, I love you some now, but I'll love you a lot more when you start doing chores, right? That would be, that you'd be great then, right? I'll, I'll love you when you get a job and move out of my house, start, stop costing me all this money, right? no. I love you because you're my son. That's all there is to it. And I can't love you anymore. I, I'm at 100% already. And yeah, there's going to be days I like you less than others, but I'm always, always going to love you. Well, as we were preparing for Marissa's birth, I had this, this fear, this fear that I didn't actually tell anybody about because honestly I was embarrassed by it. But I was afraid that it was going to feel different. That like when she was born that it would be good, but it wouldn't be as good. That it would just somehow feel like, because we didn't have that nine months. And we knew that in time that it would be amazing, right? But so I had this fear. And, and so we got to that day. It was pretty amazing by God's grace. We actually got to be there at the hospital when she was born. Jennifer was in the delivery room, got to cut the cord. So she's one of the few moms I know who's had children both on the table and beside the table. She much prefers beside the table, by the way. Um, and so they bring Marissa out to me. Jennifer stays in with the birth mom. And they placed her in my arms. And I'll never forget. It was the most incredible experience. Like, I'm talking zero difference. From that very moment, this is my daughter. I can't possibly love her more than I do now because I'm at 100%. And, and I just, with all of my heart, you see, adopted does not mean second class. Adopted means chosen chosen. And that, see, if me, as a flawed human dad, if that's my love for my children, how much more is the Father's love for you? How much more? Because I'm messed up and sinful, and I'm not always the best dad and all these things, but he never fails. He never fails. He loves you. He cares about you. And when you give your life to him, he adopts you into his family. That's what God does for you. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful, slaves. Instead, you've received God's Spirit when he adopted you as God's own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his Spirit joins with our spirit 
to affirm that we are God's children. That's what he does. That's you. That's me. No longer orphaned, no longer enslaved. No, you are a child of God. You have the best father in the whole universe. And you know, maybe for some of us, this is an easy connection to make because we have a great earthly father. And we just think, wow, that and even better, that's amazing. Perhaps for others, it's the opposite. And you say, my earthly father was horrible, not there, harmful, whatever it was. How can we call God father? Well, you see, God is like the perfect parent. You think of the best parent on earth (laughs) and then some. God is so much more because God loves you with a perfect love. And God wants to, for all of us, whether relationship with dad was great or whether it was challenging, God wants to redeem this in our lives to show us that God is the best parent ever, that God loves you with that kind of love. God cares for you so much. Maybe for others, you have this experience where you've walked away from the father for a while. You've, you've had a relationship with God, but you've kind of walked away, and, and there's some distance there. And maybe you're wondering, like, can I really come back? Has he given up on me? I, I don't deserve it. Well, here's the deal. Jesus told this story. You've probably heard it, of this son who goes away to a foreign land and squanders all of his father's money, does basically everything he can to humiliate his father and the family, He runs out of money. He realizes that coming home is the only way he's going to make it. And he comes back and he's got this planned speech. He says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Can I just be like one of the servants? Imagine what it's like as he's walking home, terrified of, is dad just going to slam the door in his face? Is dad even going to listen to him? When the father looks up and he sees him coming, he runs. He runs to him. He throws his arms around him, kisses him, cries. The son starts to get his little speech, I'm sinned against heaven against you. No, dad's not having it. He doesn't even listen to the stupid speech. It's like, my son is home. My son was dead and is now alive. We're going to throw a party. And that's exactly what God does when you and I come home whether for the first time or whether we return after being away for a bit. The Father is waiting. And he doesn't force you into this relationship. Here's the key. you got to choose it for yourself. You, this, the, this adoption is something that you have to put yourself up for adoption by the Heavenly Father. You have to choose to say, God, I need you. Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you come into my heart? Would you change me? I want to be like you, Dad. I want to live as you live. I want to love as you love. I want to receive your grace and your love and your forgiveness in my life. I don't want to be a slave anymore. I want to be your child. I'm going to pray in a moment. And you can pray that prayer, whether from home or right here, wherever you're at, and just to give your life to Jesus, to say, I want to be your daughter. I want to be your son. I want to be adopted.
Or maybe you say, you know what, God, I, I need to come back home. I've been doing things my own way, and I, I want to return to you and to your love and grace. The Father's here. His arms are wide open. So, God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for this spirit of adoption that ministers with our spirit, reminding us that we are children of God. We give you thanks and praise that, Jesus, you gave yourself for us. And, God, we confess that on our own, we are lost. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. So we need you, Jesus. We need you for your forgiveness. We need your grace. We need your love to transform us. God, would you come into my heart? Would you change me? Would you forgive me? Would you be my Lord, the leader of my life? And God, I pray for, for those who maybe are far off from you, that today would be the day we say, God, would you welcome me home? I'm sorry for everything I've done that's not your will. I just want to love you. I want to know you. I want to serve you. God, we love you, and we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for adopting us. We thank you that we are truly not slaves to sin anymore, but no, we are children of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.